the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pat Vitucci program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC or United Planners Financial Services unless otherwise noted on the show. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom is not liable for any third-party content. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, Pat Fatucci, with over 30 years experience in the world of finance and investment planning, with special emphasis on retirement planning. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. Welcome once again to this edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, author and industry veteran, Pat Vitucci, and I'm Craig Roberts. As we work through our working life, we're oftentimes, when we reach our 50s or so, focused on that special moment, that time when you finally get to walk into the boss and say, that's it, I'm done, and you head off on retirement. When you think about it, there are a lot of good reasons to retire, but if you think even more seriously, there are many good reasons not to retire early, as our host, Pat Vitucci, explains. And Pat, boy, it's it's easy to decide that we want to retire. Far more difficult to decide when not to retire early. Yeah, I don't want to talk about this today because I'm I you know most people want to retire early, so let's not even talk about this. I mean, come on, everybody wants to retire early, don't they? Well, maybe not. I have friends. They tell me the worst thing they ever did was retire. They get up, they have their cup of coffee, they read their newspaper, they're done. It's 8.30. What do I do with the rest of the day? My body can't take playing tennis every day. I'm not as motivated. What are you going to do after you quit work? That's the big question. You can't pick up the phone and call your buddies. Hey, let's go fishing. Let's go play golf. Let's go play tennis. Let's go for a drive. They're working. They're tired at night. Remember those days when you worked all day and you fought the traffic and you you finally got home and you're full of energy and spunk and you want to say, wow, let's go out and do something. And there's nobody to go out and play with. They're all still working. So you have to know what you're going to do with your day after you quit. If you're a very social person, if you've got a lot of things on your to-do list and you enjoy doing them, then maybe you are a good candidate to retirement. But I got to tell you, it ain't what it's cracked up to be. You know, we all need some intellectual stimuli. And if unfortunately or fortunately, our jobs create that environment that keeps us stimulated and motivated and social. 
there's always a social aspect. You go out to lunch with your buddies, maybe. Maybe you go out for a glass of wine after work. It's real important to understand and drill down as to what you are really thinking about. If you hate your job, it is not a reason to retire early. You need to find a different job. So working in an enjoyable environment is actually better than not working at all. Maybe you, you don't like the people you work with. Maybe you don't like your boss, right? It's always the boss's fault why I actually retired. Take a parallel job in a different company. Find a job that doesn't pay as much, but the enjoyment factor is there. you got to really do some introspection as to why you're considering retirement. How about money matters? Do you have enough in your cash flow to cover that payroll check that you will not receive any longer? There's the monetary review as well. There's the psychological impacts. We've just covered those. And then there's the real greenback matters. Do you have enough greenbacks coming in? Is your cash flow sufficient enough to keep you in the lifestyle you've grown accustomed? And do not, do not say, well, I'm always going to make 10%. So therefore I'm in great shape. No, pick a really small number, four or 5% perhaps. Always err on the side of being very cautious, have low expectations, It's always nice to have higher returns and you can buy that car you've always wanted. You can take that trip to where you ever want to go. It's all about, do you have a net worth goal that you've hit? Have you hit your milestone? That's called critical mass. You can't factor in the equity in your home if you're not going to sell it and buy down or move to a lesser cost area. Take the house right out of the equation. What is your investable dollars? What's a 4 or 5% reasonable return on those investments? And can I live very comfortably with that number? Do we often make a mistake, Pat, in that we might calculate what our critical mass number looks like? And we're kind of watching two numbers. We're watching the number, the bottom line number that comes in on the quarterly statements. And then we're watching the number on the calendar. And when that date hits, we're all ready and charged up to run into the boss's office and fire ourselves <laughs> but not really considering the fact that once we hit retirement, having a budget in place is really important because the overtime check's not going to be coming in anymore. The bonus check will not be there. And so if you haven't calculated what your expenses are going to be in retirement, that can be a critical mistake, can't it? Yeah. uh, Mr. Rosenberg wrote a entire book on the number. It's called The Number. Your number, my number is different from anybody else's. Your critical mass number, how much you need in your pile of cash to say, okay, I'm done. Now I'm working because I really love it. And that critical mass number, that number is different, sometimes significantly, and it's all predicated on your lifestyle. If you're the kind of family or couple or individual that their idea of retirement is sitting in front of the TV and watching soap operas all day, it's pretty inexpensive. In fact, it's very low cost. But if your idea of retirement is traveling a couple, three times a year to your favorite place or playing a lot of golf or whatever the issue is, what are the budgetary implications? So it, it is kind of an intersection of your critical mass number has been achieved and your age is such that, you know, you really say, okay, I'm tired now. My body is not holding up to that hour commute any longer. How about discussing it with your family? Certainly you're going to discuss it with your spouse if you are married. It's probably a topic that dominates maybe the dinner topic at night. What do your kids think of of your tournament? Sometimes you get some real good wisdom from your children. If your parents are still around, talk to them about what they went through in deciding when it was time to pull the plug. Talk to your friends about it. Maybe even talk to a psychologist and finding out 
what do you get from your job today? And will you be as fulfilled when you pull the plug? And will you have enough stimulation of your everyday living? There are rows of books these days in the bookstore that covers retirement. How about a second career? There's a a book I just bought and it really talks about what are you going to do for the rest of life for the next 30 or 40 years? And it's got some wonderful implications. Are you going to be a hunter? Are you going to you take up a bow and arrow? And, or are you going to go join a bowling league? What floats your boat? And having time on your hands is something we just never experienced before. We've always been busy. We get up early. We drive to work. We come home. We're exhausted. We put in a 10 or 12 hour day. And you have just enough energy to, you know, have dinner and sit in front of the boob too for an hour or so. Or maybe go for a walk to, after work. But now you've got the entire day. How are you going to spend it? Are you going to be stimulated, psychologically fulfilled, financially fulfilled, all those issues, I would encourage our listeners to to go to the bookstore, Google second act careers, and does that include volunteering? It is not sometimes an easy transition. A lot of folks have said, you know, it's not what I thought it was. Don't be surprised. Do some research before you go in and tell your boss, hey, boss, sorry, I'm out of here. And finally, Pat, before you tell your boss that, it might be helpful if you have that discussion with your spouse or other individuals maybe in the family that will be directly impacted by your decision, either because the change in income levels or maybe just because you're going to be around the house more. Without a doubt. If you're going to be invading mom's space, her office, which is the kitchen, and you're going to be hanging around, a lot of my retiree clients find it really difficult to reintroduce themselves to their spouse. And now they've got time to reacquaint themselves with each other all over again and sometimes it's a, it's a beautiful thing and sometimes it, it's not. So be very uh, mindful of that adjustment for both spouses, especially if you know, you, you've been married and now you're going to be spending a whole lot of time with each other. So as we've learned, while reaching retirement early might be a laudable goal, just because you have enough money doesn't always mean it's the right choice for you. Pat Fittucci says, don't invest and forget. Today, facing the tough financial realities of retirement. Talking today about some certain realities, realities that perhaps have always been there, but for many of us, as we've seen volatility in the markets, the debate over health care, and the ever-increasing costs of living, perhaps more of us are beginning to realize that retirement, as much of a dream as it can be, can sometimes be a nightmare if you fail to upfront face the tough realities that accompany it. And toward that impact, I guess for a lot of us, you know, we think about retirement and we have these ideas of spending our days and evenings on island beaches in Hawaii or perhaps traveling the country or enjoying Europe or maybe just kicking back at home playing Parcheesi all day long and watching soap operas, whatever our individual idea of retirement might be. And we tend, I think, sometimes to idealize what retirement is and in doing so, fail to plan properly to deal with these tough financial realities that retirement really brings. In life, Craig, I think we go through a variety of stages. And in most of those stages, there has been a role model that we have kind of emulated. Well, here's the reality. When you go into retirement, there really is not a role model. Not to say that our parents or grandparents didn't have a fine retirement, but we're moving into uncharted areas. We have the potential to live 30 and 40 years until retirement. In most cases, our grandparents and maybe our parents didn't have the blessing of that long of a life. 
So we don't understand how to program our minds because the country, the planet, has never had this issue of longevity. Retirement in and of itself is only about a 75-year-old notion. Last century, retirement didn't exist. If you got sick on the job and then you eventually died and didn't go back to work, but retirement is kind of a new idea. And so we don't have these role models to understand the complexity of tolerating increasing costs over that long period of time, potentially. So while it's not only both a new notion, as you suggest, sort of the, the post-industrialization of America, emergence of this idea that someday you're going to stop working and enjoy the fruits of your labor and take some time to relax and enjoy the remainder of your life, not only is that new, it's also changed a lot, hasn't it? I mean, I can remember a time when retirement 50 years ago meant retiring at 62. If you were lucky, you might make it till 70, and that was about it. Today, the number of people that are surviving into their 80s, 90s, even the growing number of centarians in this country, Pat, is meaning that folks sometimes when they retire are facing, in some cases, almost as many years in retirement as they spent working. That's amazing. Very well could be. 40 years of working and 40 years of retirement. That's the good news. It's also the bad news. If you let a life of perhaps spending too much and buying too many of the toys, the question is how prepared are you for this new stage of your life that could be very, very long period of time? And a lot of calls, a lot of listeners come in for that no obligation consultation. And many times we've got to have a tough talk session. And it really is a little wake-up call. Some people are very, very well prepared. They've got assets all over the place. They've got three, four old 401ks. They've got IRAs at the bank. They've got a Roth at the credit union. They've got a money market here and a CD there. And everywhere they went, they kind of were romanced, if you will, into opening up an account with some nice institution, but frequently find there's not a comprehensive view of all their monies. And say, okay, here's the totality of it all. And are you prepared or do you have to postpone retirement for 8, 10, 12 years because perhaps there's not enough money? Something else has drastically changed too, Pat, and we've certainly seen an acceleration of this in the last um, 5 to 10 years, and particularly since the economic downcline, and that is this idea of pensions. There used to be a time when you might have a pension from the railroad, for example, or from your union, and that along with Social Security would often provide for a fairly comfortable retirement lifestyle, assuming a of course, that you're not really uh, planning to go overboard. It's not a cruise every other week, perhaps like it was for mom and dad or for our grandparents. Our home is paid off. That has changed pretty drastically too, hasn't it? It really has. Debt loads are very different. Our lifestyles are very different. You know, our parents may have gone to the neighboring state to go on vacation. That was a big deal to drive all that distance on highways that weren't invented yet. So taking back roads to a neighboring state was a big issue. And I'm sure they had fun and enjoyed themselves. This age group, we go to Europe or we go to Africa on safari or Bali or very expensive trips, unlike the ones our parents may have taken. And so the whole notion of retirement conjures up different visions of how we're going to spend our time. And the underlying vision is a big budget. And if you haven't prepared, those big trips may just be uh, watching public TV. But we want to have a dose of reality, have that tough talk that kind of outlines what some of the big issues are. And I guess we can talk about the first one, Craig, is healthcare. We know healthcare has been rampant in its cost in almost every case, with few exceptions. 
we're going to have to fund that health care issue ourselves. Our parents probably had health care for the rest of their life in their company. They had a pension, and they, in most cases, they had health care. Here's a stat I read recently. In 1985, not too many years ago, 91% of American corporations had pensions. 1985, 91%. Move the clock forward. The most recent studies are 16%, Craig, have pensions. So it's gone from 91% to 16%. And I'll bet if we do the study a couple years from now, we're going to be in the single digits pretty easily. With that idea in mind, Pat, one of the most important things perhaps listeners can take away from eavesdropping on our conversation today is the idea that there's been a major shift here. The shift has taken place both in terms of expectations. I mean, as you aptly pointed out, when mom and dad or our grandparents retired, retirement might meant an occasional trip to Florida, maybe, or a neighboring state or something. It wasn't typically filled with grandiose plans of worldwide travel and spending time on cruise ships and overseas. And so the expense level was significantly lower. But while we've seen this major shift in lifestyle and expectations, having gone from one car, one telephone, one home in the 1950s to multiple cars, multiple telephones and TV sets, and perhaps even multiple homes in the new millennium. The thing that occurs to me, Pat, is that there has not been a shift in thinking, has there? Meaning that the methodology or, or strategy that's been employed to deal with retirement is not that much different for many people than it was for our grandparents, meaning they're anticipating a little bit of money put aside in the bank here, maybe a CD, maybe a small 401k, Social Security. They're thinking very much the way our grandparents did when it came to planning for retirement, but their expectations of what they want to experience at retirement have shifted dramatically. There is a serious disconnect, Greg. And I think we've talked about it on our show a lot. Get down to some pretty nitty-gritty numbers. And the goal is to actually prepare a post-retirement budget. And we look at all the overhead that one has to fund. And then we look at the income levels based on whether they have a pension, Social Security, or monies from 401k IRAs. And so that's a real eye-opener. And as I said, many cases, you know, the old adage, we're hardest on our self, Craig. And in many cases, there's a fair level of preparedness. In some cases, we highly recommend you work for another five more years. It's not received real well, but can't put rose-colored glasses on and say everything's going to be wonderful and make some rosy recommendations when they're not rooted in reality. We're talking today with our host, Pat Vitucci, about facing the tough financial realities of retirement. And to recap, one of the important things we need to realize is there's been a major shift in the longevity tables. When mom and dad or perhaps grandma and grandpa faced retirement, that might have meant retiring at 60 or 62, and maybe if they were lucky and enjoyed good health, making it into their early 70s. That today is no longer the case. In fact, there's an exponential growth in the number of centurions. In the next several years, we could see as millions and millions of people living well into their 80s, 90s, and even into 100 years. That means retirement has gone from a proposition of maybe 10 years to now maybe 30 or even 40 years. Are you prepared? Will your money last as long as you do? Secondarily, as Pat points out, one of the big changing components that's a major shift from what mom and dad experienced to what we might be facing today, and that is the number of companies that are offering pension funds are getting fewer and fewer, and even some companies are going bankrupt and can't even fulfill the promises that they made to workers years ago. Thirdly, higher costs. Pat, you mentioned about this major shift we're seeing in expenditures, everything from housing to even some of the basics in life. 
like health care. And if we fail to plan to address any of these three keys, it certainly will put a major blockage in the road toward retirement, won't it? Yeah, there's no question. Healthcare is a uh, mind-boggling number that continues to have double-digit inflation numbers for as many years as I can recall. Is it a good idea to take Social Security early, take the haircut? In other words, you get less at 62 or 63 or 64. Most people today don't qualify for the full check until age 66 in some months. And then Uncle Sam dangles his carrot. If you wait till 70, you get a much bigger check. And so let's talk about a couple of those issues. If you're still working and you take Social Security at 62 and you don't have enough money to contribute to the 401k or your plan at work, and you don't have the money to participate in the catch-up provision. So you've got a 401k limit, and then you've got a catch-up provision. Well, what if you take your social security, which let's just assume for the sake of this discussion, but you put it all in your pre-tax plan. It has the effect of not having any negative drain on your tax bracket, but you will have successfully on a tax deferred basis sequestered that for the next three, five or seven years. So maybe there's an opportunity to have some consideration for not having that premature social security check coming in and exacerbating, worsening your tax bracket and concurrently be able to participate in your employer sponsored plan. It really comes down to a reality check then, Pat, adjust our expectations. Previous generations had for retirement have changed. Then too, we have to maybe adjust it based on the financial realities that we're facing, meaning that delay retirement from what we might consider to be the ideal age to something that's more appropriate from an income basis. Take advantage of the catch-up to be able to accelerate for a few more years contributions into our 401k so that when we arrive at that magic number, 68, 72, whatever it might be, that we know we've got enough money that's going to be able to sustain us. We are having more and more in the late 60s, early 70s, making the bold statement, really don't want to retire. They love what they do. They love the contribution they're making. It's part of the fabric of who they are. And yeah, the money helps. In some cases, they're very well prepared, but they just don't want to retire, Craig. They love what they do. I mean, you and I love what we do, but I suspect knowing you and knowing me will probably reduce our work week somewhat and work a little bit less and go out and smell the flowers a little more than we do today, even though we were perhaps prepared. But maybe we're going to be like them, Craig. What do you think? I don't know. I'm inclined to think so. And there's a lot of good reasons for that. Number one, as we've mentioned earlier, we're living longer. We're enjoying a greater degree of health. So our ability to keep working longer means something. Also, I think in the sense of being able to continue contributing to society and and the world and doing something significant in life is certainly good when it comes to encouraging our own sense of of self-value and self-worth. And then at the tertiary level, Pat, sometimes just the reality of, you know what, as we continue to see money coming in, that will help supplement our retirement dollars, allowing us to enjoy the kind of lifestyle that we'd like to enjoy when we reach those years that we'd like to perhaps uh, ease off a bit on the gas pedal and, and not fly through life quite as fast as we had been during our peak working years. They will retire in in nine years, seven months, and 14 days. That kind of countdown suggests when they cross over the finish line, they're going to be disappointed because retirement is not what it's trumped up to be. Sometimes your job is demanding and it nails you down to a very demanding work schedule. But when you go through the other side, there is 
such a hard adjustment that it frequently is a disappointment because you've got too much time on your hands and you haven't cultivated other interests or your job really was and defines a lot of who you are. There's the social contribution. You go to lunch with your buddies. There's a lot of interaction. And then you go home and it's, wow, like nobody's calling me. Nobody's emailing me. It's kind of an empty feeling that have difficulty reacting, but those who perhaps stay engaged in in either their job or as a consultant doing something, I don't think you can play golf or tennis or go on cruises every week. I mean, it's, you know, either it's cost prohibitive or your body doesn't wear too well when you're trying to do something physically demanding every day. So I think it's got to be a whole collection of things to do that you are passionate about specifically. And frequently it's not this drop dead date of I left my job and I'm never going to go back to it again. And I think that's becoming less and less the picture. What are the other things that perhaps you can shed some light on for our listeners, Pat? We alluded to the notion that um, grandma and grandpa were perhaps the first generation with the establishment of Social Security back in the 1930s to pay into the system and then enjoy some money upon retirement. They were also unique in the sense that most of them paid far fewer dollars into the system than they ultimately received. Today, though, we're seeing a shift take place by the year 2025 we will actually experience as more and more millions of americans the so-called baby boomer generation arrive at retirement that will actually have more people drawing on social security than actually paying into the system what do you think a shift of that enormity is going to mean in terms of the percentage or degree that social security plays in our retirement dollars It's not a system that was well-designed given the huge shift in how long we are living. Retirees today, their Social Security check represents a fairly significant high percentage of their income. When most boomers retire, it will be a very small percentage of their income. And I think given this lack of a role model, we're looking to our parents. Well, our parents are living comfortably on their Social Security, and maybe they've got a few bucks in a pension. Maybe they don't. Again, you mentioned earlier, our folks don't have mortgages and don't have fancy cars and don't have expectations of traveling to expensive places several times a year, we're going to see a punch in the arm, if you will, or maybe a punch in the stomach in terms of what the expectations of that Social Security check is going to be a very, very small and shrinking part of our income in retirement. There's no question. We know it's a broken system and the boomers are just beginning to tap into it. Wait till they hit big time. It's just going to wreak havoc. And the only reaction Washingtonians can do is increase the eligibility age and decrease the benefit levels. There's there's no other magic about it. That's inevitable. And so it's going to mean we have to get our income from other sources. It reminds me of that old adage, something's got to give. Some people with extra time on their hands might ideally be suited to pause for a moment, take a look at where their retirement investments are, consider whether or not, even against the backdrop of the current events on Wall Street, they actually have the proper strategy in place to get them to and through retirement. And so while many of us have Wall Street and retirement top of mind these days, why not take advantage of a complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that can easily be done via the Internet or by telephone? Make your appointment today. Simply go to DontInvestAndForget.com. That's DontInvestAndForget.com. Again, that appointment can be scheduled with an advisor easily by telephone. Go to DontInvestAndForget.com, that's DontInvestAndForget.com, or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. 
to Don't Invest and Forget with Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the Bay Area offices of Proxy Freedom near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Pat Petucci program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC or United Planners Financial Services unless otherwise noted on the show. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom is not liable for any third-party content. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.